Welcome to the Rain in Threes podcast with Alan Ray and Mike O'Connell. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome to the latest edition of Rain in Threes. I am your host, Mike O'Connell, here with Villanova basketball legend, Alan Ray. Hey, Ray, how we feeling this evening? OC, what up? Chilling, like always. Nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changes. But I'm doing good. Not not a lot of Nova news, but you know, we still we still gonna talk. Yeah, man. We're we're gonna chop it up. We got we got some good things to get to. Uh, like we said <laughs> the last few episodes, A Ray, we've had a lot to digest, a lot to go over, a lot of breaking news headline type stuff when it comes to Villanova basketball, which has been unbelievable, right? I mean, it has given us so much content. And I think overall, though, to be perfectly honest with you, A-Ray, it gives me confidence, right? I am I get even now, I was already so much more excited that, that we had this show together, that we were able to chop it up, talk Villanova basketball, talk Big East hoops. But now that we have this, this stacked, like pancakes type of roster that, that we've gone over, man, I, I can't wait. It's, we have a l- less than 150 days until college basketball starts. We, we're going to have, I mean, how many weeks is that, right? That's a, that's a lot of episodes before we actually get into the nitty gritty of Big East hoops, Villanova playing against American on opening night. So a lot, a lot to get to, a lot of time before we actually are going to see our guys in blue and white suit up and play, but it's an exciting time to be a Villanova basketball fan, eh, Ray? I'm feeling spoiled. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> like, yep. I do feel I do feel spoiled. I feel a little spoiled. I feel, I feel great. I feel like we got an edge right now with our team. I'm feeling really good. So I'm expecting big things going, going into next year. Like you said, there's a lot, a lot to look forward to next year. So... I'm ready. Yeah, let's bring it on, man. It's just like the wait right now, just just waiting for to to even preseason or something. Just like, oh, the team is in the gym right now together working right. out, like just right. something. It's it's yeah. just that part of the part of the year right now. It yep. Sucks. Yeah, but I mean, uh, so officially finally came out that I mean we knew about it beforehand uh, about Justin McClellan from Clemson. Replacing Shaq Fit as the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, you for broke the that news. Yeah, I, I I had the scoop, man. So I was able to to break that news to the Nova Nation, and it was made official a couple of days ago. So uh, everyone was arguing, oh, what are we going to call uh, call this guy? Are we going to call him Mac Fit, Mick Fit? <laughs> what are we going to call him? I'm like, let's just call him J Mac. You know, we'll, we'll stick stick with J Mac. That's what he want. I think he went by on Twitter or something like that. So we'll go we'll go with J Mac when we refer to. To Justin McClellan, so fit. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just like let this guy have a chance to develop his own thing, dude. Don't, let's need to be all about Shaq Fit, but he's gonna do a great job. I'm sure the guys are excited to to get to work with with Justin, and um, he, he like like we talked about uh, when when we first broke the news, he he w- did spend a year under uh, uh, Shaq back in 2014-15, so he's familiar with the program. He knows. Um, what what's going on in the in the halls of the Davis Center? So that'll be good. Uh, a couple more things to keep your eye on, uh, Villanova basketball fans is is the recruitment 
for the class of 2024, right? So Caleb Williams from Sidwell Friends School in D.C. We know a couple Sidwell Friends guys uh, have been very good in, in the program. Sadiq Bay, sure. uh, one of the guys. So keep an eye on him. It, we're, we're in his final seven. This kid, six foot seven, 215 pounds. He's a legit player, and uh, he actually just I, – I saw him play a little bit in uh, his last game, and he, he led the team in scoring. I think he finished with 24 points uh, and really was able to just take over. So I'm, I'm very impressed with him from the little that I have seen. I'm going to start to pay more attention uh, now that we're on his list of, of final seven schools. So a Nova, Nova loves those six, seven guys. Oh, yeah. That's they perfect. Love those guys. Nice, nice little wing action. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's between it's, – it's, it's Nova – Michigan, Indiana, Syracuse, Georgetown, UVA, and U Miami. Mm. So you got to think we got a decent chance to land this kid, right, A Ray? For sure, we definitely gonna be in his final with Miami because we the big NIL schools now. We wanted <laughs> the big NIL schools now. So, um, like I said, I'm feeling spoiled. Um, we should be in his top four by the time his decision comes. You know, we oh. just we're just there now. Yeah, we, we, we're we're that that we're we're in that 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 conversation. Like we said before, we're in that conversation when it comes to NIL, and that's real big now in in college basketball. Oh, Can't massive. deny it. Can't deny oh. it. There's no way around it, A Ray. That's what you have to be if you want to be able to compete for these top uh, top flight talents, and that's what Caleb Williams is. Caleb Williams is not to be confused with the USC quarterback. Same name. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we'll make a name for himself. We'll see at uh, if it ends up being Nova, because that would be an incredible get for, for Coach Neptune and the guys. Uh, another guy to keep your eye on, Christian Bliss, uh, six foot four, 205 pounds out of the George School in Pennsylvania. We are actually already on his final four list, Alan. We're, it's us, you Miami, UVA, and Xavier. So that's right. <laughs> We got the coin, and so does Miami, Virginia, and Xavier, other very respectable basketball programs. And today, that's what it's going to take to get these kids, so be it, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's just good that, again, we're on his, his final four lists. That means that we're doing our thing, like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. The program is moving in the right direction. Like, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for. Like, is the pro, like, where's the program headed? And we're moving in the right direction. We did good in the portal. Now let's see how we do with the recruits, with the high school kids. Let's see how how can we get in the mix with those guys and like see if we can get a top guy like a, a Cooper Flag. You know, a Cooper Flag coming to Villanova. That would be insane. Oh my goodness. You know, so let's 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 see how we how we do with the recruits going forward. We seen what we did the transporter. Let's see how we how we do with the recruits. Right. And it's a little bit of a different game. It's uh, not the same as a, a transfer portal, portal combat type of mentality. You know, these kids are younger, maybe a little bit easier to make uh, an impression on, but yeah. still, it still comes down to that money yeah. and uh, guaranteeing some playing time. So uh, it just a couple things for, for us to keep our eyes on. I know the, the transfer portal activity is pretty much uh, all but over with, especially when it comes to Villanova. Uh, some some other Big East news we'll get to a little bit later on, um, but hey Ray, I mean it's it, it's a legitimate. Uh, I, I wouldn't say 
issue, but we don't have a lot of recruits coming in as of now, right? So you look at Jordan yeah. Dumont. We have him coming in for for next year. Uh, he's an exciting player. I think he's 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 you know I think he very very much fits the Villanova mold. But at the same time, is he going to redshirt? Like you know, we don't yeah. know what his what his status is and, and and whether he really has a role to play in, in next season's uh, lineup and 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 that kind of thing. So he definitely and, could. I, I could see him redshirting. Especially with the additions that we made this year, there's a lot of guys in his position. Unless unless he has an incredible offseason or incredible preseason where it's like it's a no-brainer to play him, you could see him redshirting. You know, this year I, I wouldn't be too surprised about it. You know, but um, I want to piggyback on something you said. Um, we was talking about like Cooper Flag. Yeah, like I'm I'm thinking about. A kid like Cooper Flag, right? High school kid. Mm-hmm. You can look at him and tell like he's ready. Like he's ready. He can go into a college program and play right away. So a guy like him has so much more value over a lot of other recruits that's coming in. So it's like you got to take a different approach to try to get a kid like that. Cause like he's bringing so it's not like back in the days where you could get high school kids that you could get a handful of these guys that's ready to come in and play, but nowadays it's not like that. And you got the portal, so it's making it harder for high school kids to come in right away and play. But a guy like Cooper Flag, I don't care who you got on your team, he's ready to play right away. Mm-hmm. Like how do you how do you go about recruiting a kid like that? Like what do you have to do to bring in that type of caliber player in this? in today's landscape you know like that's that's a question i have i can't even really answer i mean i obviously know the money plays a part obviously (laughs) but yeah but still there's a lot more you're right and i I think i have maybe a a part of the answer to that question a ray uh and that is win right success on the court yeah uh get your name you know, cut down uh, the nets early in a in a Thanksgiving weekend tournament that's all over ESPN. Uh, you know, be be a, a Final Four team, win your conference tournament, things like that, where you're getting national coverage and you're really building that brand of basketball that I think Villanova has done such a great job of. Now going from a team that was maybe a bit of like a sleeper type program, uh, like when you guys were in the Elite Eight back in your day playing against Florida. I mean, that like that was a legit team, 9 But it, it was still like that kind of underdog type of Villanova mentality that really the program has had for most of its existence, right? You go back to the 85 team, being the 18, Roy Massimino, the, the family Italian type of uh, vibe that, that that team gave off, being the, the biggest upset in championship game history. That, I feel like, rode out Villanova basketball and the, what the national media, what people thought of was that, the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. I would say even in 2016, A-Ray, we had no respect. We couldn't get out of the, the first weekend to save our lives. Mm-hmm. Even against Iowa in the, in, in the second round, I remember I was at that game at the Barclays Center. People were, people were picking Iowa. No one, no one thought we had a chance to get out of the, of the first weekend again. And I remember a, a, a quote from Adam Shine. Uh, who's actually a serious XM guy, he said, Jay Wright couldn't find the Sweet 16 with a map and a navigation system. 
is what he said. And that, at, at that time, he was a, a big uh, personality on CBS, CBS Sports. So people, uh-huh. a lot of eyeballs were on that. A lot of people thought Villanova, they can't get it done. They're choke artists. They win a lot in the regular season. But we're not. I'm not riding with them. They're going to lose. And every single round going from the second round on, Sweet 16 against Miami, everyone was picking Miami. Elite Eight against Kansas, everyone was on Kansas. Final Four against Oklahoma, everyone was on Oklahoma. Championship game against UNC, Carolina all the way. It was yeah. unbelievable, Ray. And I feel like it took 2018 to really show that, okay, at that point, we were by far, in a way, the best team in the country, in my humble opinion. We were, we were blowing everybody out. Uh, that West Virginia gave us the best run. It was like an old school Big East game uh, with Javon Carter and that uh, and that kid uh, Kanate from yeah. West Virginia. That was a, that was a great game. But a Ray, it, it what we had in in back when you were playing 2016, I've like changed a little bit in 2018 because we we're so dominant. Right, 36 win team, bunch of pros on the roster. We just were ripping through everybody. It was never a contest, even when we played Michigan in the final. Now we're kind of like, are we a blue blood, right? People are actually giving some respect in terms of like, all right, look at the at least the recent success the last few decades. Villanova's at the top of that list no matter what. So I, to go back to to answer your question, A-Ray, is the brand of basketball that Villanova is playing has played under Jay Wright. Can that continue? And I feel like, Coach Neptune and the staff has now really put their foot down and said, all right, we're, we're making sure this we right the ship here and this this culture that we have continues. Is it, it's it going to be a lot more tough to, to continue that culture with all these new guys coming in. But at the same time, we're still making national media headlines. We're still the talk of the town when it comes to, to college basketball because of that transfer portal, because it's Villanova. And I, I think kids are seeing that, whether it would be – young kids, like not even in high school yet, or recruits that want to play, be like, hey, I want to go play with with Villanova across my chest, bees up on the main line, everything everything that goes along with being a Wildcat, I think is now at the top of people's minds when it comes to to recruits. Yeah, we, uh, we just got to make sure we do a good job of separating those that's here for the money grab, you know? So just like, just to piggyback on what we was talking about, I think that's, especially with the high school kids, that's the one thing. The ones like a Cooper flag, I'm not saying like he's like this, but he could do this. He can go to any school he wanted to go to. And let's say I wanted to make a million dollars before I I jumped to the NBA. That could be his goal and not to win. So we just got to be able to separate those type of of guys and those type of players. You got to get the guys who want to win here. So... It's gonna be it's gonna be definitely interesting, but like you said, I I think the 2018 team really put a stamp on Villanova culture. They they really did. You look at let's look at a team like um, North Carolina that we played in 05. They wound up having on uh, Raymond Felton, Sean May, Rashard McCants. Uh, I think Marvin Williams was on that team. Like all these guys went to the NBA. And that's what a lot of those blue blood teams was doing back then. You know, North Carolina, they every year they would send a whole shipment of guys to the NBA. Right. And in 2018, that kind of happened for Villanova with Mikel, Jalen, um, Dante, with all these guys going to the NBA. I think that really put a stamp on Villanova culture and really was like, okay, 
Like, we're here now. And then Coach Wright going to the Final Four two years ago also, it just kind of reiterated that it wasn't a mistake saying that right. we're, we're a blue blood or a great team. I don't even know if I want to be called a blue blood, honestly, <laughs> because it's like, it's like if I, I don't know why they hesitate to call us a blue blood. It's like you don't want us to be a blue blood. But if you don't want it, that's cool. We won't take it. But we're still up there competing with those teams. Right. You know, but sometimes I, I, I be thinking about that blue blood title. Like, who cares anymore? Yeah. No, and and uh, that's what UConn fans are clamoring for now. They want to be considered a blue blood, too. Um, and honestly, what, they what, have, what they have don't UConn want? Like, what don't <laughs> they fans want? <laughs> Everything, man. Everything. Oh, my goodness. Um, no, they they love uh, they love going at us, man. But uh, no, I, I have I have respect for for UConn's program, and I, I think they have every right to to say, hey, we've been one of the best programs last few decades. You know, throw us in that in that blue blood conversation as well. So for sure, uh, hopefully they don't go to the Big Twelve. I don't think that they are. That was a, a bit of a a bit of a I would say just like people clamoring about that possibility. I'm still hopeful that it, it doesn't happen, but. Who knows? Something to something to keep your your eye on as well. But um, but Ray, you, you brought up a good point when it comes to that that Final Four run two years ago, mm-hmm. right? Kansas, Duke, Carolina, then us. So it was like, oh my goodness, like look at this. And everyone's like, oh, this is so boring. It's all like the best programs. Like there's no yeah. Cinderellas, no nothing. So it's like okay. And then look at this past season, right? Mm-hmm. It's UConn, it's San Diego State, it's FAU. And like you know, and uh, Miami, right? Mm-hmm. So you you look at those programs and you're like, oh, what is this? This is so boring. No one no one knows who any of these these people are. Is it? exactly. I mean, dude, I, I think San Diego State is a very underrated program. I mean, Kawhi Leonard went there. Steve Fisher was a great coach there for for many decades. Uh, I think that's a legitimate program that never really made a deep run in in March that when they had some really good teams. Uh, Miami, another. Jim Laranega led team. I mean, that that's a legit program. Laranega was at George Mason when they made their incredible run uh, as an 11 seed to go to the Final Four. Yeah. And, and, you know, FAU, yeah, that's a Cinderella story. They were fun to watch. They're going to be, I think, a top five, top 10 caliber team next season. So I, mean, I don't understand. It's just funny because you can't make everybody happy ever, right? Ever. It's just insane. It, yeah. Like you said, like you can't, no matter what happens, somebody's going to complain about about something so nobody's ever going to ever going to be happy so right. it's like you said <laughs> i mean honestly the only thing i was looking for to be honest with you like in in that final four was some close games and we yeah. got one really good game right we got the san yeah. diego state uh fau game which was incredible it took the buzzer beater in the final seconds that was that was awesome and that was uh i think one of the most exciting games in march madness period not just last year's tournament, but uh, I'm all for I'm all for the smaller teams being yeah. good, being better. I mean, I think it's good for basketball. Like, just look at college football, and I'm not coming at college football, but those teams at the top, like you just know they're gonna win. You know who's gonna win. You know who's gonna be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Like that gets boring after a while. Like, you can't even bet on those games. Yeah, you know Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio yeah. State, Clemson, every year. Yeah, same, so, same crew. So it was good to see some. It was good to see a lot of these teams get knocked off this year. 
you know, they didn't bring it. Like, they, didn't, they just didn't bring it. They overlooked their opponent. They saw that this was a team. Mm-hmm. They probably didn't even know where the team was from, what state they was from. <laughs> yeah, they, they overlooked them. And <clears throat> Barely they, Dickinson. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you see what happened. I think that's great for the game moving forward. Like, guys got to play harder now. It's not just the top teams that are competing against each other. Like, the smaller teams are competing with the top teams now. I think that's great for basketball. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's really it's really fun, I guess, to to see what happens in in March when it comes to these Cinderella stories. But I honestly think when it comes to to, to not being prepared in March starts really early. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, I think the, the non-conference schedule is such a huge part of a team's success down the line in March when you're when you're playing in your conference tournament consecutive days in a row when you're playing uh you know two games in three nights against teams where you don't even have time to really even scout for or prepare yeah. for or really get any sort of film breakdown on other than maybe a few hours before the game or after you just had advanced from the first round from the Sweet 16 whatever it may be so Non-conference, it's something we're going to talk about, something that I'm going to talk about as long as we're doing this show, A-Ray. I really think it's it's completely underrated uh, when it comes to, to preparing your team for success in the latter stages of the season. This upcoming year, A-Ray, we have some really awesome non-conference matchups that include a battle for Atlantis tournament appearance for back there. Uh, once again, hopefully to cut down the nets for not the second, but the third time. Only us and Baylor have done, uh, have won the Battle for Atlantis twice. So Jesus. that's pretty, that's pretty solid, right? Pretty elite company there. Super solid. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward to that. And then also, A Ray, home against Maryland at the Finneran Pavilion. That's a Big Ten matchup. The Gavit Games, that'll be a lot of fun. But going against Kevin Willard, the former Seton Hall head coach, that we honestly did a very good job of beating when it came down to that. Sure, uh, yeah. I think he was he's six and nineteen against Villanova in his career. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty good numbers wise coming from uh, coming from the blue and white. So um, I take at, that matchup. Yeah, at, then at UCLA, we had a great battle with them a couple of years ago. If you remember, mm-hmm. uh, in the Final Four season, it was like an eleven o'clock start uh, on a Friday night in November. I, I, I remember that I got together with a bunch of Villanova people. He watched at a bar in New York City. It was a great atmosphere. Unfortunately, Man. we didn't win, but it was a ton of fun. That was a good game. Yeah, was that was game. a really good game. Um, I, I think that game. was an overtime game. Yeah, I think so, too. We came uh, back. Yep, exactly right. came back. So, and then to, to, to top it off, Kansas State, who actually just landed former Creighton player Arthur Kaluma. So that actually adds a little extra juice to that matchup as well. Love playing the Big 12, other Power 6 conferences. is always always fun to mix it up with. I mean, the most last time we played Kansas State. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it's been, been, been a while. while. Yeah. Battle of the Wildcats, A-Ray. Uh-huh. But like you said, um, non-conference schedule is important just to be able to get to see different styles out there that year. You know, I think we got, we play against Kansas State. That's a Big 12 team. We got Big 10 with Maryland, uh, UCLA. So we get to see these different styles of play because this is what you're going to see come tournament time. 
So it was good to get a get kind of familiar with it in the beginning of the season. Because once you get into conference play, you know, it's straight biggies, war. <laughs> you're not yep. going to see – you're just going to see physical every night, you know, biggies basketball. But beginning of the year, non-conference, you get to see those different styles. So I agree with you on that. I think that's that's really good. And if it was me, I would try to make sure I get to see at least – the top conferences like twice, you know, maybe like want to see two big 12 teams. You want to see two big 10 teams, you know, you get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And just to, to go through the, the big, uh, the battle for Atlanta, I should say that field. I mean, that one, like we're going to, we're going to play other power six conference. Like it's, it's going to be great. I mean, l- listen to this lineup. It is Nova, Mm-hmm. North Carolina, Michigan, Arkansas, Memphis, Oklahoma, Stanford, and Northern Iowa. I mean, that's yeah. loaded. That's yeah. loaded with with great programs, some of which are going to have really good years this upcoming season, some of which maybe not. Some I of, like the some, SEC, too. SEC, yeah. SEC is on a rise. I like SEC. Oh, not, not just they get in football, but they, they get a little better in basketball. No doubt. I Especially like Arkansas, right, with yeah. uh, Coach Eric Musselman. Wouldn't that be fun to see those guys? I think uh, they're a very gritty, physical, hard-nosed team that would be a ton of fun uh, to go up against. And it's just, it, it, I cannot even, st- I can't stress this enough, A-Ray, with how important these non-conference matchups are going to be. Because even if we lose, right, mm-hmm. even if we get the crap kicked out of us, I think we're still going to get something positive out of it. For sure. A lot of those teams, they have, they have athleticism, too, that we don't see in the Big East. So that's another thing. Like that's that's what I mean. Like that's that's all good. Like what you said is great to get to play against these teams non-conference. So a lot of these, especially these Southeast teams, they'd be super athletic at every single position. Oh yeah. So it's good to go up against that and see what that style of basketball is like and get familiar with it. Cause then the NCAA tournament come, you remember, like, oh yeah, I remember we played against these guys. Like this worked, this didn't work, you know? So it's a long season, but it's a lot that goes into a lot of detail that you need to pay attention to. Yes, sir. And it starts day one, starts game one. Mm-hmm. Any opportunity you can get to get better and have this exposure to these type of type of programs, type of teams, type of coaching staffs that are, are big brands, that are well run. And it, it's, I mean, how fun would it be though, right? Look, I mean, look, you go down the list of the teams that were, that are, in that field in the battle for Atlantis, right? Memphis. When was the last, I, mean, I can't remember the last time I played Memphis. I mean, they're, they're going to be a good team next year. Michigan, we we have had plenty of history with them in North Carolina, Carolina obviously. Arkansas, Oklahoma. I, I look, look at the Oklahoma game back in 2016. They kicked the crap out of us. 78-55 was the final score of that game. We played on, that, on the battleship. Why well, Michigan always want to get beat up by us? Like, they just... <laughs> Like that little brother, just just go ahead. Just take – we already beat you up. Like, just stay over there. Like, hey, leave us alone. Hey, Ray, I know we, we've gotten the better of them when it comes to the tournament, but I remember going to the Finneran Pavilion my first game. At, I was a junior at the time. We were ranked because we were coming off the championship my sophomore year. It was the first game at the Finneran Pavilion. Big-time matchup with Michigan, and they – smoked us man they crushed us beat us up and down they mopped the floor it was embarrassing yeah. just, i think we've scored 46 points that game 
ended up losing by almost, I think it was damn near 30 points, A. Ray. So I I can't really smack talk Michigan too much. We did get him when it mattered most, though. Uh, because, but that, I, that's one of my unfortunate core memories going to the, the, the Finn, going to the Finner and Pavilion for the first time for a game, at least. The Hoops right. was fun there, but that was, a, that was a, a thrashing. All right, to be fair, going into that uh, Michigan game when uh, we went to the final four a few years ago, yep. everybody kind of just counted us out. They didn't think that we was going to win that game. Hunter and Dickinson. It, yeah, and it was a it was it was very nerve wracking because we didn't like even not just the analysts but our own fan base kind of thought we was gonna lose that game. They was nervous. We had uh we played against Ohio State. Was it Ohio State first? Yep. So it was two Big Ten teams back to back. Hunter Dickinson. Everybody was nervous and went out there and did what we had to do. So yeah. No, that that was an awesome little stretch there we had beaten Ohio State and Michigan back-to-back games. But if I, I remember everyone was picking Tennessee to beat Michigan and then beat us. They were the three seed. Everyone was saying they got underseeded. That was a great game. Michigan won that one in the second round. Didn't we play, did we play Tennessee that year earlier? Two years ago? Yeah. Two years ago, did we? I remember, I remember playing Baylor. Mm-hmm. And playing UCLA, UCLA were our two yeah. big, uh, big tests when it, co- when it comes it wasn't to Tennessee. non-conference. Um, now I'll, I'll, I'll double check that for you because you might be right. I remember we we had another good game against uh, against uh, a legitimate tw- program. Yeah, it was like a top twenty-five team. One um, thing, one thing about that year, man, it was so it was so like up and down. Like we played UCLA, played great but lost. Right. And we seen you seen the greatness in the team, but we just never could really get over that hump until like the end of the year when Caleb, not Caleb, when uh, Colin started exploding, hitting big shots for us, and then uh, Mano start going. Once Mano Mano start going at the end of the year, and he just started giving us everything, and I think that's what helped us get to that Final Four, for sure. But it so, wasn't it wasn't all smooth and steady during the year. That's for sure. But that, that goes back to what I was saying about the non-conference, A right. You were correct. Mm-hmm. We beat Tennessee when they were ranked 17th when we played at the Mohegan Sun yeah. uh, Hall of Fame tip-off championship. Uh that was actually a lot of fun. I remember that. Except it was it was a little too quick. We only played two games rather than three. Mm-hmm. We beat Tennessee 71-53. So we waxed them. And yeah. Then we lost to Purdue, who was ranked sixth at the time. We were ranked fifth. So there's a little top six matchup there. And we gave that November. game away. We oh, gave yeah. we gave oh, yeah. Purdue away. We gave that game we away. Had, we had it won just about. And uh-huh. we, just, we just completely choked. But, hey, I think that's a, that was a learning experience, right? End of yeah. situations. You can't turn the ball over. You can't just run an offense with no plan. We, you can't just run out the clock and, and not worry about getting a bucket or getting to the free throw line. So learning experience, that was a great win against Tennessee. I, I actually remember now, remember exactly where I was. I was at Hoboken with my, some of my buddies watching that game, and we were fired up. Um, but then the, 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 Purdue, the Purdue loss was tough. I, I, I still, uh, still think about that one. Then, A-Ray, the Baylor game I mentioned, they were number two in the country, yeah. right? They were the defending national champs. 
and they destroyed us. They shut us down. Destroyed. We scored 36 points. I mean, are you kidding me? When was the last time that happened? So 57-36 was the final on that one. Destroyed. So for me, that was rock bottom of that year. <laughs> like, yeah. that was rock bottom. We well, played. no, then we came the next the next game. We lost oh, the yeah. by 20. Yes, 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 yes. I re- <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I remember everybody was like, okay, they was panicking. This season is over with. This team <laughs> yeah. sucks. I remember that after Creighton. Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I remember. I remember. I remember watching a Baylor game, and I was just like, damn. Like, I was just so disappointed because I felt like we played good against Purdue. Mm-hmm. But we just gave that game away. Played good against Tennessee. I'm like, all right, we played good against UCLA, but we gave it away. Like, let's we're gonna get it against Bella. No, we didn't. They killed us, and then we lost to Crayon. And I remember that that was just like the rock bottom portion of the up. year. And it was it was a tough time. So let me ask you, what do you think is was the rock bottom moment for this year? This year? Yeah. I mean, there might have been a couple. Early on, that Temple loss, I thought was a huge gut punch because I was just like, oh, my goodness. Are we, like, is this Is this, is this, serious? Ha- is is this, this real, real right now? Yeah, is this really happening? We're we just lost a Temple. Game. Uh, that, that was an early one. But for me, rock bottom was, was, after, the, it was after we lost to, to Oregon. Mm-hmm. because we had just lost. That was the fourth game in a row. The Michigan State game, shout out uh, our producer, Nick McGow, Michigan State guy, Sparty on. They beat us. We had, we had a ferocious comeback. I thought we were actually going to win the game. We had the ball with a chance to, to tie or win it. We didn't score. We lost by two at Michigan State. That was a tough loss, but I was like, all right, we showed a lot of fight. Yeah. Next weekend was Thanksgiving weekend. Iowa State, Portland, Oregon, all three losses. Iowa State was brutal. We had a couple. We gave that game away. We was that PKI? Yes, that was the, the Phil Knight tournament. Exactly. We didn't we didn't win a game in that tournament, did we? No. Right? Yeah. No. That was uh that was like after that tournament for me. I was like, damn. I'm like, we we can't be that bad. Right. Like we didn't win a, a game in that tournament. Yeah. Losing to DePaul was definitely up there uh, yeah in terms of rock bottom moments but i don't know i, I mean just <laughs> last season i think a, a lot to learn from it definitely they can kind of temper our expectations a little bit but i'm we're feeling good now right hey ray come on we don't want to we don't want to harp <laughs> on the negatives of the past too much. i know we were doing a lot of uh hyping up uh some some fond memories like, look not, how- not conference games but Look how gloomy things just got. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were just like, <laughs> just, well, uh, uh, just uh, uh. just talking about just talking yeah. about that last year. Like that's uh. that's that's how bad it was last year. So and that's no disrespect to nobody, no none of the oh, players man. or anything. It's just it was a bad season overall, just for the program, for everybody. Like nothing just went our way. It was ugly. Oh, absolutely. And um, just, just funny because the, the, the 2016, 2018 seasons, we talked about 
two years ago, went to the Final Four. But just to, 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 just to hammer home my point about the non-conference games and how important they are. Think about all of, think about the Gonzaga game we played, the Jimmy V Classic in 2018. That was a legitimate Gonzaga team. They were number 10 in the country. Everyone was talking about that being a, a preview for a possible Final Four type matchup. Uh, we went in the battle for Atlantis. We swept through that. Unfortunately, I think Arizona, uh, I think Purdue was in that in that tournament, and they both lost really early, so we didn't get to see them. But just being in those types of situations, being in those type of environments that are going to fire everybody up for some November college hoops pays dividends for down the road come March. And a couple, couple games that come to mind, playing Virginia. We had a home-and-home home with Virginia. We had a home-and-home home with Kansas. Those games were just completely electric in November and December. And it just it, it, it elevates everybody's game, everybody's level of intensity goes through the roof after playing a couple teams like Maryland Eastern Shore or IUPUI, some of these not as exciting matchups where we're favored by 36 and a half points, something like that. You definitely get fired up for those teams. So, hey, it's 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 a really important aspect of, of the of the season. And I'm just so fired up that 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 Coach Neptune, that Mark Jackson, everybody involved with with the scheduling got it together. We're playing some really good programs, UCLA, Kansas State, Maryland. We're going to run into some great teams in the battle for Atlantis. And I, I am just so fired up to, to get, get really pumped up for those matchups in, in early, early season play, November and December, eh, right? Yeah, Mark Jackson got to be feeling good right now. He got to be sitting at home feeling good about where the basketball is looking compared to how it was last year. There was a lot of questions. Nobody had the answers. And we got some answers this offseason. Here so, we are. Mark Jackson, salute to you. And the whole staff up there, you guys did a great job this year. I definitely got to shout y'all out. Shout y'all guys out. Absolutely. I have to. I've been shouting my man Randy out, but I got to shout you, shout you guys out too. Mark Jackson, yeah, athletic staff. Yeah, guys did good. Yes, sir. Hey, Ray. Because Mike could not handle another year like last year. I promise you, he couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Come on now. So, hey, Ray. Big East, like you talked about before, going to be an absolute war. Going to be battles night in, night out. Brawls. Street fights. However you want to put it, that's the reality. I'm going to give you a ranking. I know everyone has been doing this. We're going to do this anyways, and we're going to probably change it by the time the, the month is over. By the time the summer is over, it's, it might look different. But I think right now this is probably similar to what it might look like come opening night uh, of the season, all right? So is I'm going to give it to you. Is this chat GPT? This is not chat GPT. This is just, right. I've just, I did some research. I was looking around. I was seeing... You're comparing it to last year's standings, everything like that. So this is this is like a little bit of what I think could, it could look like when it comes to the preseason Big East rankings. All right. All right. So this is not Chat GPT, so everybody no, know. Not Chat GPT. Been a lot of that going around. A lot of <laughs> Chat GPT lists. All right. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So A Ray, number one, Marquette. 
Number two, UConn. Three, Creighton. Four, Villanova. Five, Xavier. Number six, Providence. Number seven, St. John's. Number eight, Seton Hall. Number nine, Butler. Number 10, Georgetown. And number 11, DePaul. Your thoughts? What you think about switching Xavier and Creighton? Oh, really? So you like Xavier to jump us and then Creighton to fall back. All right. I just feel like Creighton, Creighton lost a lot. Kaluma's gone. They got Trey coming back. Nembard is gone. Nembard and uh, and Kaluma are big, big time losses. That's, yeah. that's fair. So I don't know. I gotta see. I gotta see what Creighton is made of this year. I'll see if they make any other moves. But I wouldn't really put Creighton up so high, right? Right? Right away. Okay. Okay. In the beginning, but I like I like everything else on that list. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put Creighton that high. That that's the only thing. And with Villanova. They got to earn it. Mm-hmm. I lo- we got a great, had a great offseason for sure, but we got to earn it. Um, they, they, they had us preseason ranked, what, 16 last year? Maybe 15 or 16 to start the season? Yes. Uh, in terms of the, the, yeah, I think we were 18th. Yeah, yeah. Was. So, you know, I felt like that was a little premature well, when they gave us that ranking. And you see what happened with that. So I don't care about none of that. I don't care if they if we're last place on people's list. Like that's better for me. I don't want these guys thinking it's gonna be a cakewalk because we had a great off season. So we're gonna go in and just beat everybody. Like that can't be the attitude moving going forward. Right. No, but, I, I agree with you, man. Yeah, but I like Marquette up there. You guys okay. know I, I like I like Coach Smart. I just mm-hmm. like his coaching. So I'm always gonna have him have him up there. And the way his teams play for him. So I like that. UConn, obviously, they won a national championship. They still got some guys there. They got a pretty good bench. I like Klingon. He's a mobile big. That's why I like him. I think he's a little bit more mobile than uh, Zach Eddy or mm-hmm. Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a little bit more mobile than him. So I like him. And then you got Alex. How you say his name? Caravan? I don't want to mess. I don't want to mess it up because UConn fans are going to come for me. <laughs> So I don't want to mess his name up. I like him. I'm letting y'all know I like him. He's a good player. Um, so I like UConn. And uh, you had Creighton at three. Switch that with Xavier. I uh, Creighton, Creighton, Creighton at uh, at three. You so we now got, you want put them put Xavier at three and Creighton at five. Or Providence. Okay. Providence still got they still got some some guys coming back there. So I think they'll still be. Pretty competitive in the league. Um, and then UConn also, they just got Rutgers transfer Cam Spencer. So that mm-hmm. that's that's a huge get for them. Yeah. Really uh really solid guy to kind of fill the fill the hole of, of some of their best guys leaving and going to the NBA uh with uh with Hawkins and Jackson. So so he that's a big addition. Uh, people, I feel like this is almost slept on that Posh Alexander is now at Butler. I'm excited to see the Butler-Johns game. I think that will be a ton of fun. I could see Posh just going crazy and dropping 30 mm-hmm. against his former team. I see you got Georgetown still at the bottom. Yeah. Even, even with the coaching change and the moves they've been making in the portal, why you feel like they still going to be at the bottom? 
or or is it a they got to earn it kind of thing? It's a combination of both. I would say I I think that their their ceiling has certainly risen, but I don't know if their floor has really changed mm-hmm. too much. A Ray, I think they still might be a year away of getting fully indoctrinated with the Ed Cooley uh, system, with him being at the helm of things in DC. So I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not going to award them anything just based on getting, a, you know, a, a new head coach, a new regime, because aside from that, I mean, they got that kid Thomas Sorber that I, I wanted Villanova to get, but they didn't do too, too much. Um, so I, st- I still think they got to they got to earn it. That's that's my perspective on the Hoyas. I'm with you on that. They got to They got to earn it. Cooley's a good coach, good recruiter, but they got to earn it. Yeah, and, and definitely props to Kim English at Providence, man. I think he's done a, a pretty good job at steadying the ship and not really missing too much of a beat after what I thought was was completely criminal, <laughs> a criminal yeah. move by Ed Cooley, Benedict Arnold type of uh, move from him. But, hey, I, I love it in a weird way because it's it's great for the conference, right? It just completely just flips, flips mm-hmm. the script. And now Georgetown, along with St. John's, who are – great program brand type names are in a, in one word back in a yeah. way right yeah we'll see we'll see how kim kim english does this is the big east so you know kyle neptune learned his lesson last year but i'm not comparing it to because kim got more experience kyle's a first time mm-hmm. right hey coach but the big east can be brutal to you it, it can be brutal yeah, he's uh he actually had a really good career playing at Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. did Kim English. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to him. He's done a great job thus far. I know a bunch of my buddies are big time Providence fans, uh, so they're part of Friar Nation. There, they've been blowing up my phone saying, "When when are you guys going to start talking more Friar hoops?" And I said, "Hey, we'll we'll get to it. We'll we'll, we'll get plenty of uh, of looks at the rest of the Big East, uh, not just Villanova." So it's uh that was a great little little preview of what's to come. We're going to break it down further as we get closer to the season. But I think right now it's a pretty solid snapshot of what what to expect uh, in the 2023-24 season. Am I right, Alan? Yeah, and I can't wait for these preseason or not even when we get closer to the season, these these rankings, team rankings, player rankings, and everything like that, just be able to start talking about all that stuff. That's when you know the season is right around the corner. So yes, really, really looking forward to that. Um, but you know, we got we got the wait right now. We 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 got the, the offseason wait that is great for a player, but it sucks for fans. Exactly. No, no doubt about that. So uh A Ray, some uh some news coming out of the NBA finals that was actually directly Villanova basketball related was when Paolo Bencaro asked uh, our guy Kyle Lowry what his all-time Villanova starting five would be. Uh, I'm going to just name the list really quick that, that he uh, he gave out to the media the other day. He named himself, Randy Foy, Mikel Bridges, Tim Thomas, and Ed Pigney as his all-time starting five. A-Ray, your thoughts? I like Tim Thomas on there. I wish he would have asked chat GPT because my name probably would have ended up on there. <laughs> yes, sir. But, but it's all right, Kyle. We still good. You know, we still friends. <laughs> I knew he was going to throw his name in there. Honestly, when it comes to point guards, 
is Kyle Brunson. Like this, there's no one else to choose. Tim Thomas was interesting to me. Did he have Kittles on there? No. See, yeah, Tim Thomas was interesting to me. One year guy. Yeah, he one was a one, he he was a one and done. But Tim Thomas, obviously, everybody knows how good he was. Mm-hmm. So, I would it, that would that spot would either be Tim Thomas for me or it would be Kerry Kittles. Might I might have had one with Kerry Kittles on there. Um, Ed Pinkney, that was another name on there. I like that. Uh, I definitely have Coach Pinkney up there, and not just because he's from the Bronx, <laughs> but I just feel like when you think of Villanova tradition, Villanova culture, you think of that championship, like you see Coach Pinkney, and he's just he's just a a figure for Villanova. Like you got to have him up there, and they won that championship. And he's a great player too. Went to the NBA, played, had a great career. So I like that. Randy, so when it comes to, like, these lists, Randy, I never really see Randy name up there a lot with, like, some of the greatest players. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people didn't really get to see him play, especially, like, the younger generation. But Randy definitely was in a class of his own when it came to athleticism, um, strength, and just, like, pure skill level, like, he was he was unbelievable, and a lot of people didn't really get to see that. We got to see that close close up in person every single day. Great leader, so I feel like that's why Kyle put him up there. You know, mm-hmm. some people might argue that, but I could see him him being up there. I'm not sure anybody else. I mean, I guess you could say Josh Hart with him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, Randy and Josh Hart. So. I swear, man, you could make like three top all-time Villanova yes. teams. Like you yes. really can, and all be uh, all everybody be legit players, man. Maybe we should we should ask that. We should throw that on Twitter and see what everybody say. Like their top three teams. Maybe we could do like a draft or something. Yeah, yeah. Put like a pool of twenty-five of the best Villanova players of all time. All of us could draft a team and see uh, see what the fans think in terms of who would win. Uh, and that kind of thing. I, th- I think that'd be a ton of fun. But oh yeah, let's do that. Um, a Ray, I-, I love where your head is at. Uh, I'm gonna give you my. I'm gonna. I have two. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm kind of a. Co- a bit of a cop out here, but I- I'm gonna do it anyways because <laughs> I don't wanna. I wanna give respect to uh, to the older generation of the uh, the classic teams of uh, pre Jay Wright era. And let's do it. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, Bill Melchioni. Mm-hmm. Kerry Kittles, Paul Pitch and Paul Arizon, mm-hmm. Howard Howard Porter, and Ed Pinkney. That is a classic starting five of some OG Villanova basketball greats. All of those guys had legit careers of four years, and just they they were they they were beasts, man. These guys like Pitch and Paul Arizon. <laughs> The guy played in the 40s, man. Like, that is OG. It is. What about what you guys say to the Chris Ford fans? Hey, he, he's up there. You could definitely make the argument. And, you, and I'm also leaving out some people on the 85 team, uh, sure. aside from from Pickney. You know, Gary McLean, Dwayne McLean, Harold Presley, those guys, you know. You gotta, it's just so many. It's, yeah. it's, it's so many. So, 
my Jay Wright era starting five. Uh, this was tough because I, I literally made three teams, like you said, A-Ray. <laughs> uh, I have Brunson at the point. Okay. I have my guy right here, Alan Nathaniel Ray. I'll take that. At, at shooting guard. I will take that. I got Josh Hart at the three. Mikel Bridges at the four. And Dante Cunningham at the five. So a little small ball, but I think that's on brand for, for Villanova. Mm. You got so you got me in front of Dante. I don't mind coming off the bench for Dante. I don't mind coming off the bench for Dante. No, I'm, I'm saying Dante Cunningham. No, oh, okay. I was talking about David Chenzo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I knew what you what you thought I said. But no. All right, all right. And then next team: Randy Foy, Scotty Reynolds, Corey Stokes, Eric Pascal, Daniel Ochefu. I also yeah. had I also had Corey Fisher, Colin. Well, this is this is not even really a team here. Gillespie, Archdiacono, Corey Fisher, then Darren Hilliard and Javon Pinkston. Just just some of the greatest names in the in the Jay Wright era, man. And just a lot of fond memories watching all these these dudes play. Now we got to do like you say. We got to get a pool of names. We got to yeah. come up with like our. Top 25 or top 50, like, really thought out list, throw them yes. in a pool and have people make their, like, teams. And yeah, like, I love that. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get down to it. I'll, I'll start getting cooking on that ASAP because that, that'll be a ton of fun. And it's something something really fun to do in the offseason, right, when there's not a ton of content to be discussed. I feel like we did a great job of covering what we needed to yeah. in terms of what's going on uh, with, the, with the portal. Nah, over, the low, over the last few weeks, but low key, our fans are like smart as hell though. So they oh, they yeah. gonna they're gonna really put together some really good lists. And there's a lot of guys that seen some of the older guys play. So I'm I'm really interested to see where our fans rank rank some of our players and what teams they got them on. I think it'll be dope. Yeah, uh, guys like James Bell. Uh, I mean, just like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, watching these guys play. Tony Chenault was a guy we mentioned remember, a few episodes ago mm -hmm. that people forget about. Um, Omari Spellman, a one and done guy. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, he he redshirted because he was ineligible to play his freshman year. Um, Tim Thomas was a, a one and done guy as well. So we'll we'll continue to to get into the nitty gritty of of uh, an all time starting five versus an all time top five or a top ten things like that. So. Uh, we're gonna have a ton of fun with that, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna really get the fans, get the Twitter folks involved by getting their opinions directly, whether it be on Twitter polls, drafts, uh, things of that nature that allow you guys to really have your own voice and opinion. Yep. So just what OC said. So, a Ray, to wrap things up, my friend, got a couple good Twitter questions. Let's do it. Uh, this is from uh, one of my uh, good buddies from uh, from my time at Villanova. He was actually a senior when I was a freshman, so it was pretty cool getting to know uh, his uh, his buddies, his class of 2017 uh, when I was a freshman. So this is uh, from Damn my guy, young. Jack Yarnall, uh, and at Yarn for All. Any concerns about the roster's three-point shooting? 
Besides Bamba, the newest additions and the current roster outside of Dixon and Housen, all are below 35% from long distance. That's a good, that's a good question. And it's a good observation. Um, I feel like I wouldn't be so concerned. I'm going to tell you why. And it's not because I'm biased. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just how I look at it. Okay. Now, unless a team is playing zone on us, which they don't play so much in the Big East or in college basketball, I can see in a zone us sticking to shooting a lot of twos, getting inside, playing with Dixon, getting in the paint that way, and them kind of sitting on the three-point line. But if they're not doing that, if they're playing one-on-one in Dixon, if he's going, like, you got to send a double team because we know he can score 30 points. J-Mo, if he's going, like, you got to shade him. You got to put two plays. You got to try to get the ball out of his hand. So when you do that, when you send in an extra player to help, like, somebody's always open. And Tyler Burton didn't have the best three-point percentage. But if you look at his workload, you know, he was taking a lot of shots. I guess I'm sure a lot of his shots were contested, a lot of contested threes. Didn't really, probably didn't get a lot of open threes when he's playing at Richmond. So I feel like this year might be that year where he'll get a couple of easy looks. And his three-point percentage can has has an opportunity to go up because he will have these open looks. I feel the same with... Hakeem Hart as well, another person, not a high three-point percentage, but can shoot the ball. And with the way our guys can get other people open and shift the defense, I think our three-point shooting will be a lot better than it looks like on paper right now. Yeah, A-Ray, well said, because uh, I think everyone needs a little bit of reassurance after looking at some of the stats. Yeah, but I, I, I completely agree. I, I just think there's too many weapons, too many options on the floor at all times mm-hmm. from from long distance. And, you know, our motto, shoot them up, sleep in the streets. That's not going to change. And I think uh, I, I really think it's everyone playing off each other. Like you mentioned, that is going to pay dividends when it comes to, to creating open looks, getting everybody's confidence up and allowing everybody to to get their fair share of shots and opportunities to knock those shots down. So I'm I'm fully confident in us being one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country next year and having that win us games, a lot of games when it comes to that. And can't forget about the player development, too. You know, these guys are going to be working on that all day, every day in practice. So I feel good about it. And it's part of Villanova's system is what they do, the offense. So I look forward to seeing these guys knock down shots. No doubt. And uh, it's it's great to see some of the work that TJ Bamba was putting in. Uh, I just keep seeing clips of this guy yeah. grinding his you-know-what off. You're on a mission. In the gym. He is, right? I mean, He's wow. on a mission. He is. He's, he's looking like a, a Villanova basketball stud yeah. right now. So I'm, I'm excited to see him. And everybody that's saying that he's not going to be in the starting five, uh, to start the year, shame on you, because I'm telling you, this kid is special, and he's he's got his heart in the right place, 
and he's just been been hitting the gym hard. Uh, I mean, could you imagine that? Like not starting somebody who scored thirty six points in a game. Seriously, that's what I'm saying, man. But <laughs> hey, we we talked about it, A Ray. It's a good problem to have. It really is. It is. So shout out to my guy Jack Yarnall. I appreciate all the, uh, the the support I've been getting from the older Villanova guys uh, that were uh, a part of my life while I was on campus and and uh, finding my way uh, early on in my my career. My four years, <laughs> not much of a career, but yeah. my four years at, at Villanova. Uh, I wish it was a career, but uh, not not what I was up to. Uh, next question for you, A. Ray. This is from Ramon Yascotti on Twitter. Every year here on in, more so with NIL and Portal, Coach Neptune will be judged by how he can get the mercenaries to play Nova basketball. Will they buy into good, better, best shot or shoot it up looking for stats if we make the final four rising tide elevates all ships no i agree with you that last sentence rising tides elevate all ships i feel like with the experience that these guys have it's a it's a it's a i want to win atmosphere and you hear bamba talk about it you hear Hart talk about it they want to go play in the NBA, and they felt like Villanova was a perfect place to come to help them get there, teach you how to play. You see how our pros are playing now in the league. Look at these guys. Two guys in a championship right now. We were all over the playoffs this year with Mikel, with the Knicks. So we have the formula, and I really do believe that these guys will buy in. I don't think that there's going to be – any, how can I say it, problems trying to, to build chemistry, none of that stuff. Like, these guys are on a mission. Bomba's in the, the gym. You see him working on, like, that was great to see him working on. Jump stops, pivots, shots. Like, that's what we do at Villanova. Just to see him do that, that was great. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned. I think these guys are all going to be on the same level. They all have the same goal in mind. Why Why would you come to Villanova if that's not what's on your mind? I'm pretty sure that was in the recruiting pitch. So they understand what they want coming in and how we're going to win and why we want to win and how we're going to do it. So that's my answer. Hey, Ray, I think you, I think you just answered your own question from earlier in the show. Do you remember what it was? Well, what's it going to take to attract these young recruits? Yeah. Just perfectly said. Like, what, what did it take to attract Bamba and Hart that want to go play in the NBA? And go look at what, what our guys are doing in, in the association, right? That's why you're smiling like that. Yes, because you answered <laughs> your own question right there, man. You're like, I don't know if I have the answer I gave, I yeah. think, part of it. But you, I think you just completely nailed it right on the head when it comes to what is going to sell a guy to come to your program. And that is, oh, my gosh, I want to go play in the NBA like the rest of these Villanova guys are. And not just, they're not just playing well. I mean, they're taking over games, whether it be Brunson, whether it be Bridges. Lowry is getting older, but he's still having such a major impact on these most important games of the season yeah. in, the, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And Josh Hart, all these Villanova-type guys, they're not, you know, no disrespect to uh, Cam Whitmore and Omari Spellman, a one-and-done uh, type of guy that they knew were NBA-ready as soon as they graduated high school. Those guys are great for their own reasons, but they were certainly help 
by Villanova and the and the uh, the, the ability to produce legitimate background like just you're gonna you're gonna use every single aspect of uh what's available to you in the villanova basketball program to get better and develop your game in 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 ways that you couldn't even think of as a high school kid so you just answered the question i'm so glad we were able to come full circle there and i mean wow what what a what a great time this has been a ray just chopping it up like this for the last hour yeah and like you said, I didn't even realize that, but it does make a lot of sense for the, uh, <laughs> what I said. But yeah, yes. I, I didn't. But that that definitely is a great pitch, and it's it's the truth. I mean, you see Jalen Brunson, you see what he's doing with the Knicks coming in there, like literally taking over that squad and making them a better team. Adding Josh Hart there, he's a superstar in his own. Even off the court, you see. He's all over the place, everywhere. His face is everywhere. Like he's a Nova guy. Like that just doesn't go unnoticed. You see what Mikel Bridges did when he got to Brooklyn, you know, compared to how he was playing with the Phoenix Suns. So Kyle Lowry in the finals now. Collins not playing, but it's so funny because like Denver is such a big Colin is such a big part of what Denver do. Like, Colin is all over Denver's, like, social media and stuff like that. He's so active, so engaged. So it's great to see that as well. Like, Villanova's just in your face everywhere this year, and I love it. And it's it's definitely great for recruiting. Like, it is, like you said. Coach uh, Spolstra of the Heat is is talking – talking up our guys in the Knicks, saying how Brunson should have been on the, like, all-NBA and all-star – I, it, it doesn't get better than that, and I think it's just the uh, just the beginning of of what we're going to see from the Wildcats in the NBA, especially guys like like Brunson that are still, if you think about it, a Ray really young for sure, uh, and they have for a sure. lot lot lots to do when it comes to to getting better, developing their game, and and really putting on a show when it comes to to seasons to come. So <laughs> New York is no longer Julius Randle's team. That's Jalen Brunson's team, first sure. and foremost. Sure is. So. Oh, my no, goodness. No JR, it's JB. <laughs> yes, sir. You know it, my friend. So, uh, hey, Ray, man, that was a blast. Uh, a lot more to get to moving forward. We touched on a lot of great things. We have a plan now in terms of getting this uh, this all-time starting five argument sorted out we're going to take the twitter we're going to use uh the insight opinions and and knowledge of our listeners of our audience of our followers on social media and that is going to be uh amazing i'm really looking forward to to seeing how that develops and uh we have uh some some more exciting news coming from rain and threes we have our brand new logo and uh design coming out within the next uh couple of days so look forward to that dropping on our socials, but uh, wow, hey Ray, I'm I'm excited, man. We just had a ton of fun on this uh, on this Sunday night, my friend. Yeah, today was good. Got uh got to chop it up, talk some good basketball. Um, we it wasn't a lot going on in Nova news, right? But still, still got a lot of Nova basketball in today, so I felt good about today, and really looking forward to engaging with the fans with this their their all time greatest teams list because this is going to yes. be real interesting most definitely a lot of people got a lot of good things to say yeah and a lot of, a lot of people aren't going to like what we had to say but hey you can't <laughs> please everybody right so 
Hey, with uh, with Alan Ray, I am your host, Mike O'Connell. Thank you so much for listening to Rain and Threes. We'll be back again next week with a new episode. Yep. See you guys. Tune in. Yes, sir.